The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries. again, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Dan Scott Show. Can you believe this is episode number eight already? Seems like we worked on getting the thing ready to go for almost a full year, and now here we are, just about two months into this new project, and I can't thank you enough for your support and how this thing has grown in eight weeks, and obviously more than anything else, thank God for his blessing on this venture. We have a good show for you today. Have you ever heard me say that before? I remain ever optimistic about what we are bringing to you, and it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the quality of guests. We're going to be talking on today's program with Molly McManamy, who is an NFL agent based in Las Vegas for Carrick Sports, and she's also a Christian living in the desert in Sin City, and come to find out that there is a thriving Christian community in Las Vegas. We're going to talk to her about that, about how being a Christian fits into what she does in the NFL and just life as a female NFL agent, and if she considers herself to be something of a trailblazer. It's going to be a really, really good interview, and as usual, a long interview as we try to go in-depth with our guests We uh, also have a brand new affiliate joining us this week, and I am incredibly excited about this. I'm excited about all of them, but this one is a little different. We welcome Paisley Radio in Paisley, Scotland. Yes, we have gone international now. It's an online radio station that began broadcasting in March of 2020, and they have already surpassed the 100 million stream mark Paul Weikerly reached out to me last week, asked about carrying the show. I sent him a show sample. They enjoyed it, and bottom line, we are on at 8 p.m. Scotland time, which is five hours ahead of U.S. Eastern time, beginning this week. So we're very happy to welcome Paisley Radio to the Dan Scott Show family, and we are looking to continue to expand, hoping to have some more news about that coming up in just a short amount of time. We are going to step aside very quickly, let you hear something about Grand Slam Ministries, and then come back and get into this in-depth interview with NFL agent Molly McManamy. That's right after you hear this. Every day there are children who leave school on Friday and eat little, and sometimes nothing, until they come back to school on Monday. It happens in every community, including yours. Many of these children live in circumstances that deprive them of basic needs necessary for a quality life. At Grand Slam Ministries, we want to change that. We want to invest in our children, giving them hope for the future. That investment includes necessities such as food, clothing, school supplies, and a safe environment to play, to study, to live. Please visit our website, grandslamministries.org to find out more about our ministry and how you can help. We're just getting started. Will you come alongside us for the children's sake? Again, that's grandslamministries.org. 
Want to see a listing of our affiliates? Check out videos or listen to past shows and explore our archives? It's all available at our website, danscottshow.org. And now, back to the show. This is Episode 8 of the Dan Scott Show. Good to have you with us. Going to jump right into this week's interview. Molly McManamy is an NFL agent living in Las Vegas. She is a Christian, which has its own dynamic living out there. But as I mentioned in the open, there's a thriving Christian community in Vegas, which maybe surprises some people. We're going to talk about that, talk about her job and many other things, including her podcast, Where You're Planted, toward the end of the interview. But we started off by talking about the the magic of the internet and particularly Twitter, because as I have done with previous guests before, this interview came about simply by me just putting out a public call on her Twitter page and saying, hey, I'd love to have you on the show. And it turns out that she is a big Twitter fan as well. Yeah, no, Twitter, honestly, you know, speaking of my career, like it's been the greatest networking and just, um, just like building tool for me. I tell people all the time, you know, the networking events are great and you should like, there's nothing like a face-to-face meeting, but if you really want to use your free time instead of just scrolling, you know, the mindless stuff, find people who are like-minded, who are doing what you want to do, who, you know, have the things you want to have all that on Twitter and eventually you'll create this little virtual community that's just like, you know, curated for you. <laughs> I love it. I, I can't tell you since I started first the podcast back in 2020, and it's now developed into our nonprofit organization and, and the new radio show, how many interviews I've gotten by doing just what I did with yeah. you last week, just by sending uh, a either a direct message or, or just a just tagging you in a in a public yeah. post and saying, "Hey, would you be willing to do this?" And many people respond to that. Yeah, I do the same thing. I have a podcast now, and, it, and it's it's hard to like. That's the, probably the hardest aspect of having a podcast is getting people not getting people to come on. Most people I ask agree, and I'm sure it's the same for you. Mm-hmm. But the like figuring out who you want on, and then the whole asking them. Sometimes you feel like you're bothering people, and then. Sometimes I, I know I always think it's an honor when someone asks me, so I try to keep that in mind when I ask other people. But it social media has made it so much easier for us, for sure. Yeah, I, I try to keep the same perspective. Uh, I've been in the media business since I was 18 years old, so I'm in my 38th year. And as you know, with any profession really, but the media particularly, it's easy to get jaded quickly. Yeah. Uh, so I I try to keep that same perspective. If someone is willing to do it, I I look at it as as an honor. So again, thank you for uh, responding in kind and being willing to talk with us today. So how does uh, a young lady from Chandler, Arizona, Basha High School, wind up an NFL agent in Las Vegas? That's got to be an interesting journey. Yeah. And it's ironic you're asking me that because I'm at my childhood home back in Arizona here for a Super Bowl, and it's actually been really cool, the full circleness of it, because the last time the Super Bowl was here, I didn't have my job yet. I didn't know, but later that year, I was going to get it. Um, so it's cool to be back, and just, like, the comfort of coming home 
has been amazing rather than going to a hotel. But um, if, if you're like so my, yeah, if you, if, I, um, I if, went to Basha high school, like you said, and when I was in high school, I was the person that was involved in everything. Um, I, I loved uh, just getting school tradition started. Our, our school was brand new at the time. So one of the things I was very passionate about was being able to, have a football program that people were proud of because we were new. So like, and I don't know if people know much about the Chandler area, but it's very competitive. Um, lots of great players have come out of the city from Hamilton and Chandler specifically. And so we were kind of like the new kid in town and it took now 20 years later, um, we won our first football championship this year, which was amazing. Um, but I was at every game. And then the next day, because Friday nights are high school nights, right? My family and I would drive up to the Rose Bowl for all the UCLA home games. So that was my life growing up. And so I realized early on that I wanted my life kind of to revolve around football, but I just didn't really know how. And so I ended up going to college, kind of having different ideas for what I wanted my career to be throughout that time. But around 19 years old, my sophomore year, I figured out I wanted to be an agent. I was talking to a lawyer and I said, I want to work in football. I want to go to law school. What, how can I marry the two? And she said, well, a lot of agents are lawyers. So I literally went home after that conversation, Googled how to become an NFL agent and got set on making all those steps happen. So it was finish my degree, obviously, and then go to law school because you have to have an advanced degree to be an NFL agent. A lot of people don't know that. So that's a master's or a doctorate, something of the sort. Um, and then after that, you have to apply for and then take an exam to actually be certified by the NFLPA who governs us. And that allows you to actually negotiate contracts for players that are in the NFL. So lots of steps ahead of me when I made the decision. And there's there was a lot of twists and turns. Um, but the short story of how I got this job specifically is um, one day on Twitter, <laughs> my boss reached out to me via DM and said, I'm hiring. Someone gave me your name, said you were interested in this business. I need help. It was just him at the time building this agency. And that was in 2015. And I have worked there ever since. And then a couple of years after getting hired by him, I took the test. I passed. So I'm an agent now, as well as the vice president of client services for the company. So um, just it started with a love of football. And like I said, lots of twists and turns in there. I didn't stick to this only throughout those like many years until I finally was an agent, but God kind of kept me on, on mission and didn't let me veer too far. <laughs> you know, we just passed women in sports week Yeah, and, and, yeah. I, and I work at a division one university, uh, which uh, obviously we have uh, a, a lot of great female athletes. We have wonderful female coaches and, and we had a, a huge celebration of women in sports week as part of a men's women's basketball doubleheader at the, the huge arena in downtown Greenville, South Carolina. Um, and, and they obviously take a lot of pride in the strides that women have made in sports. Do you consider yourself to be something of a trailblazer for women in sports, especially in the NFL um, agent business? So, Yes and no, because there were women doing this, you know, 20 years ago and doing it well and having success at it. Um, I think the numbers have increased a little bit, but not what we want them to. And they're actually pretty stagnant in at least in my specific um, capacity, which is kind of sad. Um, what I would say, the, the only reason I would call myself a trailblazer is 
I don't know many women. Um, I do know some, so I don't want to say I'm the only one that are like very unapologetically out there in themselves. I think that one of the mistakes that women can make is when they do get a seat at the table, you know, um, they, they feel like they have to be a chameleon and kind of adjust to what's around them and what has worked for men for so long. Mm -hmm. But I think God puts us in these spaces to be women and to shake it up and, and give these guys an option they didn't have before, before women decided to start doing this. And so that's kind of why, you know, I, I had a kind of a come to Jesus moment in my life where I realized I was starting to do that. And I needed to just be myself because that if I'm not being myself, then I'm not really doing, I'm not there showing up as me, then how am I going to accomplish what God wants me to accomplish? So I started to lean in more to like who I am, not just as a woman, but as a believer, as a younger person in this, I was 24 when I graduated law school, I was 25 or 26 when I became an agent. And so I've been in this business since I was in my young 20s. And I'm 31 now, but I'm still pretty young compared to a lot of the people around me. And instead of trying to fit into this box, I am trying to show women and give them permission to be yourself. Like you can be all the things women are supposed to be in every other capacity in life and still be successful. And you don't have to choose between your femininity and being a professional or being a mom and being a professional, like all those things that I hope to be one day. Um, I, I don't want to feel like I have to conform in order to be successful because if I'm being myself and this doesn't work out, then I know that it's time to move on or it's not for me. Um, so I, in that aspect, I, I hope that I'm sort of blazing the trail. Um, but as far as like women doing this, they've been doing it for a while. And mm -hmm. I, I had some examples to look up to. Uh, I think we just hear about it more because of social media, <laughs> You know, it, it, it's interesting because in in any phase of life, in any job, in anything you do, really the best chance you have to succeed is to be yourself. If you try to be somebody you're not, ultimately that's going to come back to burn you. And I was reading the story about you, you signing Dwayne Johnson Jr., uh, as mm -hmm. your client. And in order to get to him, you had to go through his sister. And if anybody yeah. was going to uh, be able to flag someone who was just trying to shoot them a line and be something they weren't, it would have been his yeah. sister. And she said, right. Hey, you're going to like this girl a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was like kind of the, I met his dad first and then him. And then it was, his sister was kind of that like, and I'll be all. And she was really excited to have a woman in the mix. Um, and I think because she probably understands how much we do for men and like the capabilities of women. And we just kind of have a like attitude that we're going to get something done if we say we are. And so her and I, when we connected, it was very genuine and I was honest with her. And I think she could tell that I was going to fight for her brother in a way that she would um, because we have similar qualities. So, yeah, I mean, and, a lot of guys, it's their mom or it's a sister like this situation or wife, girlfriend. Like I'm close to a lot of women that are around my clients because in their in the, in the household, they kind of run, you know, the show and not in a way of like, you know, the man is not, you know, doing what he needs to do. But when a man is on the field and they're busy and he has a good woman at home that's able to do a lot of that stuff. Like, they're very successful. And so it's very similar in that regard. Hey, listen, every successful 
football coach or, or really coach in any sport that I know and, and one who has come up the ranks as an assistant and to get a head coach and the number of times they have to move, they all credit their wives for being everything from the rock of the family to the best moving and real estate agent out yeah. there because they have to handle all those things. If a football coach takes a job, he goes from one place to the next, the next day basically, and is on the road recru yeah. recruiting and for that new team. And the behind yep. and has to tie up the loose ends. And I'm not one to like, you know, subscribe to crazy gender roles and say that that's what a woman has to do. But in this, this industry, that is how it works. And part of what I try to do is take some of that off the wives' plates because th that's I'm being paid by them. So I keep really close relationships with them and I make sure they know that if they're not alone mm -hmm. and when that does happen or they get cut in my, cause I don't really, I don't represent coaches, but with players it's, you know, they get cut or traded and the next day, like you said, they're on a plane. And, you know, when Zach Ertz got traded to Arizona, you know, Julie's actually one of our clients too, but even if she wasn't like her and I were, you know, both on the internet looking for where they were going to live and figuring out like, okay, he needs to ship all these boxes. You know, are we going to do FedEx? It's just so many logistics behind the scene and being able to help the wives a little bit is really, it's, it makes my job really rewarding. And I love my relationship with them. And I think that is a unique aspect of being a woman is that closeness and that, that fellowship they feel with me because I'm a woman and I get things maybe in a different way a man wouldn't. <laughs> Molly McManamy is our guest on this week's show. We're talking about uh, her path to becoming an NFL agent. We're going to get to her faith journey in, in just a moment, but I want to circle back quickly to your desire to become a lawyer. I read a story about you and a great quote from your dad. Who's, who said he knew early on, maybe around age seven, that not only were you going to be a lawyer, but he thought you might be a Supreme Court judge because the way <laughs> you were able to argue your case every time you got in trouble as a kid. Yeah, no, my parents, they were, it's funny because my parents got divorced when I was pretty young. I was like nine or 10 and um, they didn't have like the greatest friendship through a lot of those years. Everything is better now, but they always agree on that. <laughs> that like, I just have, I mean, if I wanted to spend the night at a friend's house, like I would have a presentation or I would, I just always kind of had that mind that was like, there has to be evidence to support what I want to say. And I would figure it out. But I also was just a passionate person. So I wasn't, you know, fighting for things that were wrong. It was just when I felt I really wanted something, I was, I was going to figure out a way to show that I was right. So yeah. I, I wanted to be a Supreme Court justice when I was in middle school. And I honestly, after going through law school, that's probably one of the only things I actually would still want to do in regards to traditional law, because mm -hmm. I just really love constitutional law and I enjoyed it. And there's not a lot of jobs, you know, with that. And so it would be probably one of the only like aspirations I could have, but I am happy to be doing what I'm doing. Were, were you better back then at talking yourself into trouble or talking yourself out of trouble? Oh, uh, I mean, probably out of trouble, but my parents scared me. Like they were those parents that were like, I'm not sad, I'm disappointed. And so I never wanted to let them down. So I didn't get in trouble a ton. I had, you know, my, my normal kid and teenage things, but 
I was a pretty good kid because I did not want to let them know. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, I'm a preacher's son, so I know exactly where yeah. you're coming from yeah. on that. Molly McManamy joining us here on uh, this week's edition of the Dan Scott Show. All right, let's talk about your faith journey. Uh, how did you come to a saving faith in, in Jesus Christ? Because as I've read some things, it's not something that was really ingrained in you as a kid. No, it actually was. Okay. Um, so it, being a believer was, I should say, like I went to church twice a week. I was in church choir. I did the church plays. I was in church band. I was very involved at church. So I was baptized as a little baby. Actually, it was so crazy. Like drove by my preschool and my church last night that I grew up in. Um, like such really cool full circle moments, like I said, from this week. Um, but I was, and I was always like vocal about it. Everyone knew I believed in God. I went to church that I loved God. Those were never, that has never wavered in my life. And I credit my parents for that. Um, I went to a Lutheran preschool and then a Lutheran church growing up and they kept me very involved and I didn't always like it, but I look back and I'm thankful for that foundation because I've never, I've never had to at least on my own like come to that okay like really figure out if like god exists i've always felt he did mm -hmm. um i've always believed and i've always wanted more but i going through high school and college i was way more concerned with worldly things i wanted to party i wanted to be liked i wanted to be popular i wanted to be good at everything so it was like all the things that most teenagers are concerned with Though that was my idol was being liked and figuring out how I could be super successful and, and what my next accomplishment was going to be so that people would pat me on the back. I was just obsessed with it. Um, and so I was never willing to surrender and give up and sacrifice the things that you have to in order to like really have that relationship with Jesus that I didn't even kind of know existed. So it wasn't until I moved to Las Vegas, which always makes people laugh, but Vegas is actually a very strong city of believers. Um, we have fantastic churches. I mean, I just can't say enough about that community, but I know God moved me there to find the church that I'm at now. And I, same thing, like, it's so funny. All the big things in my life started with just, like, social media or a Google search. And I just Googled um, Christian churches in Vegas and found one, walked in. I've never felt more at home. I spent seven-ish years in California for college and law school after leaving Arizona from high school. I never really found a church that clicked for me, which was par partially like I don't think I was ready or wanted it, um, but also I just, it, nothing felt like home. I walked into this church and I have never, I just, it just, I knew I was meant to be there. And I went alone, which I would have never done prior to moving to Vegas by myself. So I start going to this church, not often, still kind of lukewarm, just like when it, when it was convenient for me, I wouldn't, I would go, I wouldn't make it a priority. I would rather like go out and party on a Saturday night and be too tired on Sunday to go. If I didn't do that, just cause no one made plans with me, then I'd go to church if that makes sense. Um, so then I finally in 2019, it was spring. I had this nudge. I was sitting with my dad because he had lived in Vegas with me at the time and he came with me to church. And I just knew I needed to go deeper. And they advertised this program called Rooted. And it just spoke to me. I was like, this sounds like what I'm looking for. Like, I just need to take that next step of, like, committing myself to, like, really learning, like, what what does it really mean to be a Christian? 
and I've had like, you know, Bible verses tattooed on me. Like I I've had all that stuff, but it was like, like I said, lukewarm and very much like for show. Um, and I had had some really deep encounters with God throughout my life. Like I, I had, I scratched the surface for sure, but I never just like fully went in. So I do this program. I actually didn't end up doing it in spring. I, I didn't have $50. I couldn't afford it. So I didn't do it. Um, and so I waited to fall and I think that was totally meant to happen. I do it in the fall. I end up getting baptized at the end of it. And what was funny is I told you earlier, you know, I got baptized as a baby and I thought my parents were going to be so offended when I called them to tell them I was going to get baptized at the end of this program, because obviously that was like something they decided for me early on, but learning more about baptism and Jesus and what it means to be a disciple and a follower, I thought I needed to declare this as an adult now that I like really was in it. And I called them and they were both so happy, like so proud of me. Like there's no, like I, the, that's just like an example, you know, of the enemy trying to like stick something in your head to make something so beautiful, even to like somewhat, you know, question it. But I ended up getting baptized at the end of it. It was perfect because it was so personal and intimate. I, I didn't have like a big party or like, it was just about me and Jesus. And that program is a discipleship program and you learn the rhythms of discipleship um, in that program. So every week is a different thing. And so it's about prayer and fasting and um, just all the things that, again, help you like go deeper and integrate it into your everyday life. So all that to say, I would say that up until 2019, I was a believer. And after 2019, I was a follower. And now I'm just like, there's, there's just nothing I, I, there's nothing more important to me and nothing can become my idol anymore. I mean, obviously I can be tempted and get close, but I just like, I'm, I'm in it now. I know who I am in God. I know I have purpose through him. Like I, it's just such a different life now. And I'm so thankful and I, my, everything is different. My job, my family, my, everything is different because of it. You know, I mentioned I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid and, and, uh, I used when I speak to churches and other groups, I use the the joke about being a preacher's son that I had a drug problem growing up. Every time the church doors were open, I was drug inside, and and, and yet I didn't surrender to Christ until I was forty five years old, which this June will be eleven years. So yeah, confusing because you're like I know, like my parents did a good job. I went to church. I believed in God. I felt God's presence often. But I was never ready to do my part and go all in. Yeah, and and, and so when when you and I were were setting this up, and, and I saw your podcast, which we're going to talk about in a moment, and found out you went to the Crossing Church. I'm just here to tell you, I went and did some research on the Crossing Church. I want to see what kind of church Molly McManamy is going to, <laughs> and, and and I went into you know what we believe and our mission and all this stuff. And you know when 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 I read the the very first paragraph, I think that we believe that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. I said, all right, she's in the right place. Yeah, because because that's important to me. Yeah. Because if 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 you don't have that right, if you only believe certain parts of the Bible are right, or if you pick and choose what you want to follow, then you don't have a faith to stand on. But no, but if you be, if you believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God, then you're you're heading down the right path. So I just wanted you to know I did some checking up on you before no, you before we started this. Yeah, no, and and I'm so proud of my church and. Um, you know, I know you said you listened to my latest podcast episode and we kind of touched on it in that because I had one of the pastors on and 
I I just love that every time they preach, you know, it's from scripture and it's still relatable. I know people get like intimidated by that. And I I also love turning on other preachers, you know, on YouTube sometimes. Like I, I'll I'll like look at everything, you know, like I I pray about it. I don't, you know, take on everything or, you know, let it soak into me. But I love that my church has that structure. And we have an incredible worship team. I have, I mean, just the most incredible friends. It's not like it's this old school. It's very modern, very current. But the pastors are real men of integrity who are really, are really serious about that, both about their integrity with the Bible, but also with Mm -hmm. other things. And I have friends in my small group that work for the church, and they tell me very, very often that this is the healthiest church they've ever been a part of. And that's super important to me because I do tithe and I do want to be a part of a church that makes a difference in my community, but it's hard to trust churches if we're being honest. And so I feel very fortunate to have found one that I feel deep, deeply that is doing the right work for God and it's for all the right reasons and we're really doing kingdom stuff and it's not, you know, for anyone's, you know, selfish gain. It's it's a really powerful thing and I, I wish everyone could experience it and find a church they feel that good about. Well, my wife and I have found that church here in, in the state of South Carolina where we go and where I'm actually a, a deacon, which is a, another story in and of itself. But um, it, it, it's a church that does it preaches from our pastor preaches from the Bible. It, it is a church that does incredible mission work in our community and beyond. And, and the transparency, you know, we have quarterly business meetings and every business meeting, there is a printout uh, of the budget and, and every single penny is accounted for. And there for anybody in the, con- everybody in the congregation to look at and anybody to ask questions about it's, it's that kind of transparency, I think, that's missing, not just in the business world, but in, in, in a, a great degree, sadly, I think it's missing in a lot of our uh, so-called, quote-unquote, Christian churches today. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's like I said, that's why I'm so happy you have that. I'm so happy I do because I do find value in the church. And I know there's people that, that think that they – and I, I don't – I should say, like, I I think there is absolutely a way to walk with Jesus if you don't have a church that you can go to every Sunday, because not everyone has that. But for me, it's been so instrumental in um, from a community aspect um, that I, I just really hope that churches everywhere can get it right and start to really, like, go back to God and ask what God wants them to do. Because, like, last night I went to a church here in Phoenix and there was a, they did an altar call at the, we did this, like, it's called Huddle for Hope, and it's this amazing event every Super Bowl week. This is the second one, but I know it's going to keep going on. Very, like, just, you know, it's not big showy, it's just people coming, so take a break in Super Bowl week, worship God, get a word, pray, get saved if they want to, and there was an altar call at the end, and the senior pastor of that church that we did this at, went up saying he needed to recommit his life and like seeing like someone in that position knowing he had some of his congregation there like that's the type of stuff i love to see and if i was part of his congregation i would feel super proud that my leader is not too proud to humble himself and that's what we need to be doing every day so for him to do it publicly and i and you know you can tell like he was emotional and it was genuine and, and it was so powerful i just 
I pray for that church. I'm praying for all churches that we can get back to that, you know, that mm-hmm. we can really get back to what God's trying to do in these buildings that we gather in. I, I can't tell you the number of times growing up that I saw my dad, the pastor, on his knees at the altar praying and, and, and what an effect that had on me and, and, and just the humble nature that, yeah, you're the leader of the flock, but you still have to humble yourself before God. We're visiting with every uh, day. Yep. Every day. Every yep. day. Visiting with Molly McManamy, NFL agent, and uh, talking about her faith journey. You, you know, it's probably surprising to a lot of people. I know it surprised me a bit to hear that there is such a strong uh, faith community in Sin City, in Las mm-hmm. Vegas, where, where you're based out of. Did it catch you off guard? You know, I, it's hard to even look back to that because I've been so blessed by it for so long now that to me, that's all I've known. So I moved there in 2016 in August, and by April 2017, I had found the crossing. And then slowly, my community built around my my church and my gym, and then they intersected. And so it's hard to even think about it, but I would say probably, yeah, I was probably super naive when I got there and didn't think much of it. I think more so than the Sin City aspect of what people think of Vegas and the gambling and the partying and stuff. It just is like very small compared to where I lived before. And so I don't think I had high hopes that it could have the type of church that would really inspire me, if I'm being honest. Um, And so when I walked into that church, I was like, I can't believe a church of this size is out here. And then come to find out there's an even bigger church in town and there's more like growing now. But I think it was more just it was such a different place, both between the the nature of the yeah. businesses there and then just the size. Because I was coming from L.A. and Orange County and San Diego, and I grew up in Phoenix. And Vegas is not big. Like people think it's it's bigger than it is. They come, they realize it's literally a strip in the middle of nowhere. And then we've built communities around it now, and it's growing like crazy. But everyone kind of knows everyone, and so I was more just surprised to have a church of that that magnitude there and then to actually like it i i was very caught off guard by that aspect for sure god god is everywhere even in las vegas yeah yeah he's he's definitely in las vegas (laughs) and it's funny like i did uh, an episode with one of our senior pastors at the crossing and he's been at that church now i mean for years and years um but he was talking about how pastors are always like coming with this like kind of savior mentality like i'm gonna save las vegas and he's like we're good, you know, like there's other places that need to be, you know, healed too. And, you know, I tell my guys this all the time, you can find trouble anywhere. Like if you want to find it, you can find it. So we need to be healing all cities, not just, you know, thinking Vegas, because most of those people that are in Vegas doing the sinning, quote unquote, go home to other places at the end of the weekend. So it's just funny because like in my experience, personally, Vegas has been very much centered around Jesus and like my living there so it's just totally opposite of what you think you know people think you're going to move there and become like a gambling addict and i got baptized <laughs> <laughs> so so let me ask you i, I guess the, the big question is we've kind of built all of this we we've talked about your journey to your job as an nfl agent we've talked about your journey to christ and and where you're planted now and, and we're going to talk about that being the name of your podcast in a moment but we know that even though there are thriving Christian church communities in this country and and around the world, we also know that it is uh, a world that's more anti-Christian than it's ever been, and it's getting worse. And if you read the Bible, you know it's not going to get better. It's going to continue. 
to get worse. So how do you handle Jesus versus culture and how it affects your job? What kind of blowback do you get? Because you're very public about your faith. Yeah. So in the beginning of my journey as an agent, I was, like I said, I was a little bit more quiet and um, like didn't put it out there as much. I definitely was one of those people that was afraid to say Jesus in front of, you know, non-believers. And I thought, I don't want to turn people off and then I won't get business or whatever. And so very quickly, I just was like, no, 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 I'm on mission in this job. And I'm here and the whole, I have, there's so much more to it about what I went through and rooted and everything. Like I always say rooted took me from being ego driven to purpose driven. Mm -hmm. And I got, did away with all the ego accolades I wanted. I, I don't care about how much I make anymore. I don't care about making any lists, getting an award. I don't care if I ever get a first round pick. None of that matters to me. Um, I'm here to serve the people that God intends me to serve and to, for us together to use this sport to grow the kingdom. And if I'm not myself, like I said earlier, I will miss out on those people. And I, I just, I've, I've really been able to come to terms with the fact that whether I'm fully myself and love Jesus out loud and proud the way I do now, or if I were to go back to being a little bit more shy, if I, and that's everything, right? If I don't post my love for the sons and make crack the jokes that I think of sometimes, if someone, people aren't going to like me no matter what, even if I were to be the more, you know, small version of myself, the quieter version of myself that I could be, or I didn't proclaim my love for Jesus daily on Twitter I would still have people that don't choose me to be their agent. I would still have people that don't like me. I would still have people who think I'm too much or weird or whatever. So I might as well be myself because I'm going to get rejected by the world either way. And so I would rather be who I am. So when I do get that, yes, when people do choose me, I know it's for me. And now I don't have to fake it. And now I know that, like, I want the guys who think it's powerful to have an agent that prays for them mm -hmm. and has an agent that is dying to herself every day and wakes up every day and says, God, how can I serve you? And then how can I serve others? Meaning them. And so I want the guys who see value in that and the families that see value in that. And if someone thinks it's weird or too much, they're not ready for me anyways, because when it comes to it, like the real deal, when we're really working together, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to recite scripture. I'm going to send you, you know, a Bible verse that spoke to me that God told me to send you. Like, I can't tell you how many times when guys are facing adversity, I get to, like, we really get to get into the nitty gritty and we get to get into scripture. And that's what it's about for me. It's not about the contracts and the money and stuff. It's keeping these guys focused on the goal. That, you know, when you're in your locker room and you go through something, people are watching you. And as a believer, you get the chance to show them something that maybe they don't have, which is peace. And so I, I just, I, I don't really struggle with it anymore because like, I'm, I'm more unaffected by culture than ever. Um, last night, um, I think it was Sean Alexander. He said something beautiful about how things that are not of God and of the kingdom should feel strange to you. And that's kind of where I'm getting to. Like, I don't even listen to a lot of secular music now. When I turn it on, it is a little strange to me. You know, sometimes now I'll turn on a show I used to watch or a movie I've seen before. And I'm like, this doesn't totally feel right in my soul, mm -hmm. you know? And 
him saying that last night, it, it was like, that's what that set is. It's strange to me. And I've gotten to know God's voice so well and the Holy Spirit so well that that is what I listen to. And so when it isn't from God, I can, I'm, I'm more attuned to that. So culture just doesn't affect me as much because I'm, I'm sad for culture. I'm sad for the people that, that worship culture. And I don't envy the agents in my business who have success by subscribing to that. I don't envy it at all. I don't want it. It's, it's a, there's no end to it. Your ego is never satisfied. Culture is never satisfied. The world is never satisfied. So you'll just always be needing to do more and more and more. And so um, I'm like rambling now, sorry, but I'm just, I, I'm, it's one of the things that makes me want to go shout about Jesus from the rooftops because I want everyone to live in purpose because it's just so much more peaceful and it's just easier. And that sounds weird because like everyone sees the sacrifices you have to make and every and the surrender. It's easier. I don't want to keep up with culture. Yeah. <laughs> at all. No, I no, I get it. Hey, listen, you say you're rambling. I say you're preaching. And again, you're talking to a preacher's son. I'm ready to pass the plate now. Let's I mean <laughs> you, you you were you were laying it down there and, and I like it. And then you were talked about that culture is gonna hate us anyway. And, you know, a lot of times I think people forget that Jesus told us that. And when I give my testimony in churches, yeah. I invariably come back to John sixteen thirty three, where Jesus said, I tell you all these things so you'll have peace. But in this world, you will have tribulation. He didn't say yeah. you, he didn't say you might. You might. You will. He said you yeah. will. But thankfully, that verse doesn't end there. There's one more yeah. line that says, but yeah. be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Wow. And yeah. and. You know, we're human. We we can forget that sometimes in the midst of everything yeah. going on around us. But if you'll allow yourself the moment just to take a breath and take a step back and and, and remember that, hey, he told us this was going to happen. He knew. He knows. He's got us. Yeah. You, you can you can I, you can reel yourself back in. I just a week ago, I didn't get invited to something that I wanted to be or I thought I wanted to be invited to. And then I realized it was a compliment because I no longer, you know, am someone they see that would want to be at something like the thing I wasn't invited to. And I'm really lucky I have a Christian therapist and her and I talked through it. And that's one of the things we came up with is like, you just have to be okay with the fact that you're going to be set apart. And when you're set apart, you're not going to fit into everything. And that's part of the people pleaser and a Leo and all these other things I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's especially in this job where like there's all these lists and, you know, top this, top that. This person had this many first round picks and this person negotiated this contractor, whatever it is. Um, it, it, you can get very caught up and, and get off mission because you're just wanting to have someone notice you and give you a pat on the back. But that's why you have to remember, like the only only acceptance you need is from Jesus and I saw my moments, like you said, I'm human. I totally get caught up in it, but I never get too far off course to where I get so wrapped up on it that in it that it it makes me forget what I'm really doing. And we, we've already gone a few minutes past uh, at the uh, time limit that I told you I would try to keep to here, and I really respect your time and thank you for for being uh, with us here on this edition of the show. Very quickly, tell me about uh, the Where Your Planted podcast. Yeah, so. Um, about a year, maybe like eight months, 10 months ago, God put it on my heart that I wanted to 
I love hearing people's stories. I love hearing about their God moments. I love hearing about why they think God is real, why they know God is real. Like just all those moments, like I get, I get really excited about it. And God was like, you should do this and have other people hear it. And I could already think of the people I wanted to talk to. And it was super scary um, because I, I, I literally have said like, I never want to do a podcast. And of course that's just how God works. And it all just kind of worked out. A friend of mine started a podcast and he was in this studio that is just amazing. And his podcast was running very smoothly. And so I reached out to the studio and everything kind of fell together. Um, and I came up with the name because part of the whole thing of when I moved to Vegas, I had a moment. I remember it was like literally where I was, the sunset I was looking at. I hated Vegas the first year I lived there. I just hated it. And I heard God saying to me, like, you are here, so be here. Like, this is where you're at. You, it, you know, you can't fight it. Like, so just be here. And so I've kind of had this mentality moving forward from that moment of when I decided, and that's when everything started to get better in my life there, of just being where I'm planted and remembering that God uses people everywhere, every day and every place. And so it's not just about like being planted as an NFL agent or being planted in Las Vegas. It's, you know, the person that you encounter when you're checking out getting food and being on social media and being a mom and being a wife and being a coach you know there's so many things um being planted in locker rooms even in your own family you know i think all of us have family members who are not believers or who have not given their life to christ and i just keep that in mind all the time that like i said about the whole locker room example like people are when you are a bold Christian, people are always looking to you to see how you react to things. And not that's not to put pressure on people, it's just to remind you like you are powerful and mm -hmm. you have so much impact every day. And so I just love hearing the stories of like people of how they have used where they're planted to further the kingdom. And it's just been such a great like Thing to have that's so unrelated to my job and it's just for me and the kingdom and um it's been awesome i mean you know how much work goes into a podcast and so it's work but every time i finish an episode i'm filled up and i'm thankful for that and i hope the guests are too and every episode i've had at least one person reach out to me and say you know i need to hear that or i needed to hear that or this you know something from the episode helps them and since doing that and being bold like you said on social media the amount of friends i've had that never went to church or didn't believe in god that have come to me and say like can you talk a little bit more that makes it worth it alone too it's just so powerful when you like allow yourself to kind of get out of your comfort zone and just like love jesus whether it's on a podcast or you know social media or whatever when 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 God ordains something, uh, He's going to get what He wants out of it, and it's going to be for His yeah. glory. So it, it's that's amazing to hear. Before I let you go, I, I got to ask you ask you this because I, I laughed a little bit. You said you're back at your parents' house getting ready for cool. the Super Bowl. Are are you like my daughters are? They're both married. We have three grandchildren. Do, do, when you come home, do 
do you expect mom and dad to wait on you? Do you shop in their refri- oh, shop in their um, refrigerator and freezer and and yeah, it's I'm just a child just... when I come here. <laughs> I'm a full blown child. Like my stuff is everywhere right now. My dog is here. They take care of my dog. Like yeah, I'm not married. I don't have kids, so it's just me and my dog. And my my parents love having me here, and I love being here. So and and you take I'm advantage of it, don't you? Oh, I gave my mom a shopping list before I came here, like, for food. <laughs> they know what I like. They stock up on my iced teas and my salami, and they are so, like, kind when I'm here because they'll, like, you know, plan, you know, dinners and stuff. And But they also know I just like being at home. Like, it's, I lived here since the time I was four years old. So yeah. this is, like, my home. And being able to bring my dog back here now, like, it's, yeah. I fully turn on into a child. I do not make my bed. My mom does my laundry, all of it. <laughs> okay, I, I, I just want—I just wanted to make sure it wasn't just my daughters that it, that it's no. basically an ep, it's an epidemic among kids. So and you can admit you probably like it. Just having them back is like kids yeah, but but I can't let them know that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I I I, I gotta yeah. I gotta tweak them every chance I get. Hey Molly, yeah. thank you so much for your time today. It's been great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I always love any chance to talk about Jesus and my job when I can talk about both. It's fantastic. So I really appreciate you having me on. Well, there you go. A little more than 40 minutes with NFL agent Molly McManamy. And I hope you enjoyed that interview, enjoyed her testimony. We'll take a quick break and come back and get into wrap-up mode for this Episode 8 of the Dan Scott Show right after this. Teenage boys and young men today are in crisis. Statistics show that a home without a father or male role model present is the single biggest indicator of poverty, behavior issues, drug and alcohol abuse, criminal activity, and yes, imprisonment. At Grand Slam Ministries, one of our core missions is developing a mentorship program to teach boys how to become strong Christian men and then teach those men to be the biblical husbands, fathers, and church and community leaders the Bible calls us to be. We need your prayers. We need your ideas, and we need your support. Visit our website, GrandSlamMinistries.org, to find out more about our mentorship mission and prayerfully consider how you may be able to assist us. Again, that website is GrandSlamMinistries.org. Like what you hear? Have a question or comment? Maybe a guest suggestion? Drop us an email and let us know. Dan at danscottshow.org. And now, back to the Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. Back to put a wrap on this week's edition of the show. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Molly McManamy. You can find her on Twitter at Molly Mac, I believe is her Twitter handle. Just appreciate her time, as we do with all of our guests, as we try to go in-depth with the people that we bring you to share their lives, their careers, their passions, and mostly Jesus and how all of that intertwines. Um, Next week, you know, one of the core tenements of Grand Slam Ministries is going to be mentorship, because we have a crisis in this country of men who are just basically being emasculated, being told that their role as the head of the family is no longer important and the traditional family in every sense of the word is being undermined and torn down. But we know that the Bible tells us 
differently, that men have a great deal of responsibility that is uh, biblically authorized when it comes to being the head of the family and taking care of their families. You also have a responsibility to mentor other young men. And uh, on the show next week, Don Harper, who is our lead Sunday school teacher at Utica Baptist Church in Utica, South Carolina, is going to be the guest. Since I have been a Christian working on 11 years now, this man has been an incredible mentor. God put three men specifically in my life at our church when I got saved, Don Harper, Danny Rhodes, and Jim Hayes. And Don, simply because I'm in Sunday school with him, I get to spend more time with him, and he is just an incredible example of what a mentor is supposed to be. He's African-American, so you know he's mentoring this white guy that he never knew before we started going to church together. He doesn't see it that way. He just sees here's a Christian brother that needs help. He has written a book called Blessed is the Man that tells the story of his father back in the 1950s in Alabama who was given a loan by a white banker at a time when that just did not happen that allowed him to buy the farm they were on. And and it's just an incredible story. And Don has carried on that role basically his entire life. He will be the guest on next week's edition of the Dan Scott Show. I cannot wait to talk to him. Do want to mention something else as we get out of here. Last week, I talked about where we want to go next at Grand Slam Ministries and using the show as a tool to help get there and talking about getting a donor pool of one to 200 people giving $25 a month, one to 200 people giving $100 or giving $10 a month. And I forgot to tell you how you could do that. Well, you go to the website, uh, danscottshow.org, and the uh, tab to give to Grand Slam Ministries is there. But if you're uh, of the old-fashioned variety and you'd like to send a check, it's P.O. Box 35, Central South Carolina, 29630. And we have a phone number that you can call, and we can answer any questions you may have. 864-788-9596. 864-788-9596. Thank you for tuning in this week. We look forward to being back with you again seven days from today for the next edition of the Dan Scott Show. Until then, I'm Dan. God bless you and so long, everybody.